from the same passage, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. The secret of life in three words, looking unto Jesus. Now, that depends if you have the King James. Uh, it could be more words than that in another translation, same meaning. But that's what we will title this this morning. We've been looking for several weeks, uh, going through Hebrews chapter 11, and this uh, passage starts with the word therefore, and so we know that there is a connection. The secret of life in three words, looking unto Jesus. Father, we ask for the ministry of the Spirit of God upon us, that we would indeed hear the word of the Lord. Thank you for giving it. Thank you for preserving it. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to bring it right off the page and into our spiritual bloodstream. And for this we pray and give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, this passage, the whole section, Hebrews chapter 11 and 12, especially through the first four verses, I think are very significant for us. And so I want us to read once again the verses there in chapter 12, and then we will go back and we want to tie it in with chapter 11 this morning, so we'll summarize what we have been over in recent weeks. Therefore, we also, now, again, the first readers of this, they said, oh, this is for us. Well, we're in the 21st century. We should have the same thought. Oh, this is for us. For those of us who are in Christ, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily ensnare us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, back in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 40, we have an outline of those who have gone before us, who walked by faith. And so Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, so going back to summarize so we can really hopefully sense and know the verses that we will focus on, here is a great cloud of witnesses. They surround us. And we've been looking at how that they believed God. Every one of them believed God. We understand faith by their testimonies. We saw that, and we'll see again this morning, that faith is not something that is conjured up. It's not faith in your faith. 
It's not something that uh, is not based or grounded on the word of God. In fact, it is that very thing. And that's something that should be in our hearts because this is just repeated over and over again from every person's experience. So have your Bibles open there to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll start with verse 1. We'll just summarize these points. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, which speaks of Abram. Abel had a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. So he had a witness that God was, uh, that he was righteous through his witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his, of his gifts and though he is dead, he still speaks today because he's more alive than ever in the presence of the Lord. So living by faith means that we worship God on his terms not ours. And this is a big issue. In fact, it is probably the biggest issue. It's the first issue that came up. When God gave instruction to Adam and Eve, he was in fact telling them how to honor God, how to worship God. And Adam and Eve, with a little suggestion from an enemy, oh no, you won't do that. You won't really worship God that way. And so here we have a better idea. Uh, you need to do the exact opposite of what God said. Well, we learn from the word of God stated clear, clearly in chapter 1, 2, and 3 in Genesis and other places and here in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, here's God's way. Worship is to be based on what God says, those his terms, not ours. Enoch, in verse 5 and following, he had this testimony that he pleased God. He pleased God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Living by faith simply means that my master passion going into this coming week should be to please God. Whatever I'm doing, I'm to be pleasing God. Does, does this please God? We have a huge tendency to make decisions based on what pleases us. We may make individual decisions. We may make family decisions. We don't think in terms of what pleases God. We think of what pleases us. Um, what, what do I want? What does my family want? What do... Didn't matter. There's all kinds of people crying for you. You ought to do this. You ought to do that. Enoch had a testimony that he pleased God. In verse 7 of chapter 11, Noah, he lived by faith. He was warned of God, of things not seen. He moved with godly fear, with godly reverence. That's what faith does. Faith is not just believing that God is. Faith is acting upon the word of God. God speaks, we obey. We should obey with a godly reverence, with a godly fear. Living faith means that we have heard and we're heeding the warnings of God, even though there's nothing in our surrounding experiences or nothing has come on the news that says we should do it, uh, nothing in the culture agrees with it, uh, 
But again, God is giving instruction. He gave instruction to Adam. He gave instruction about worship. And all through the scripture, and you may or may not remember, many years ago there was an ad for Ford Motor Company, and their theme of the ad was, we have a better idea, and they'd have a light bulb that came on. You don't remember that, it doesn't matter. But that's just the nature of man. We have a better idea. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 through 10, Abraham, by faith, Abraham obeyed God. And he went out not knowing whether he was going, and he dwelt in tents. And so, again, um, whether it's Adam and Eve, whether it's Cain, whether it's Noah, or Abraham, or whoever, faith is acting upon the word of God. Faith is believing God. Faith is taking God at his word. Now, a prevalent thing today is for preachers and preacherettes is to value their experience instead of the word of God. And people, ooh and ah, oh, I've not had any. This person must really walk with the Lord. God doesn't talk to me that way. In fact, many people no longer believe that God speaks unless he speaks in this sort of way. For example, um, God has shown me something huge in the body of Christ, says this one. And to illustrate it, I'm going to illustrate what God showed me. And he showed it to me out on the back porch. He speaks to me very often, putting a picture in my head. I saw the church as Jesus sees the church. God is talking to this lady. Well, if somebody tells me God has told me, that sounds pretty authoritative. And they say it with such conviction. Well, by the way, what did God show her? Well, uh, imagine a different groups of people up here on the podium, and, and this group over here are Methodists, and these are Presbyterian, and, and these are Charismatic, and these are non-denominational, and these over here are Roman Catholic. This is what God showed her. And all of these people in the body of Christ. Now, some of these people may be, but the Roman, Roman Catholicism preaches a different gospel, a radically different gospel. It is a different Jesus. But how can you question it? Because God told me on my back porch with pictures. Garbage. Sincere. But that's not the Lord. God speaks through his word. And we'll, in a future time, talk more about this. Because this is a huge problem for today. Because the, the airwaves are filled with people saying, God told me this and God told me that. And others are, are just feeling very hum, humbug. God never speaks to me. God is speaking to you and I this morning. From his word. 
we're in a far more blessed position than you say, well, how, how can I know if it's God? How did Abraham know? How did Moses, how did all these people know? They didn't have the 66 books. God did speak directly to them in a very specific way. And what we have in the word of God is the authority. Jesus has spoken in these last days by his son. The Holy Spirit has breathed out the word of God. And Jesus says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And oh, by the way, Jesus himself, the man Christ Jesus, modeled this. When tempted by the evil one, what did he do? Quoted from the Bible. Man shall not live by bread alone. Now, you say, but I, I, I read the Bible, I don't get anything from it. Well, there is a requirement. You have to be born again. Jesus says, my sheep, hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I'll give them eternal life. They shall never perish. So, uh, we need to be plain about these things. Living by faith means embracing the guidance that God gives in his word. And with Abraham, even though you don't know, you don't know where this is going. And that's true today. You, you say, I'm, I'm committed to my marriage. I'm committed to loving my wife. I'm committed to loving my husband. But what if they aren't committed to you? So you don't know where this is going to go. And this is one of the reasons I love the Ed Wheat's Love Life book because our testimony is in there and said, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know how it's going to land, but I'm going to obey God and leave the results with him. Whether it's marriage or whether it's something else, isn't that where we are? We don't know how it's going to all turn out. I go to the workplace and I'm determined to be faithful with a humble and good spirit to, to honor the Lord where I work. And something comes up. And the company demands this or a co-worker demands that. And so you have to humbly and yet boldly obey God and leave the results in his hands. What about Sarah? In chapter 11, verses 11 through 12, uh, by faith she received strength to conceive seed. She bore a child. She judged him, God, faithful who had promised. Everything that was going on in her life was based on the promise of God. So living by faith means that we trust the promise of God in spite of limitations apparent limitations, human limitations, because we trust God who gave the promise. The, the faith is not you having superabundant personal confidence, oh, I know this is going to work out. I know. Rather, it is like Sarah, I'm trusting God, and this is what God says. I'm hanging everything on that. So, again, my sheep hear my voice, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now in verse 13, all these, chapter 11, all these died in faith, not having received the promises. But having 
seen them not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar off. You can see things with the eye of faith that you don't see with your naked eye. You, you find what God's word says, it says that you embrace it, you believe it, you act accordingly, not because you have a physical vision of it, but because God said it. You trust the promises of God in spite of human limitations. So all these died in faith, but they, notice in verse 13, having seen them afar off, they were assured. This is why reading and devouring the word of God on a daily basis is so very important because that's where our faith is strengthened. And they not only saw them, but they embraced them. This is an active thing. And they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We've said many times, and I need the continual remembrance of the large application of Romans chapter 10, verse 9. We typically will use it in a gospel tract to speak to someone about coming to faith in Christ, but this is a strong word to the believer as well, or maybe even primarily, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, or the that Jesus is Lord, and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be delivered in this situation. What, what is the situation that's before you? You believe it in your heart, you confess it with your mouth. You believe in your heart, the word of God, you confess what God says with your mouth. You might even need to do it out loud and somebody says, what's wrong with him? <laughs> Doesn't matter. You're, you're having fellowship with God and you're believing in your heart. You're confessing with your mouth. So living by faith, we're, we're like aliens. Well, uh, some people I know are strange. Living by faith means that we're living by the drumbeat of God and not the drumbeat of the world. And people will look upon you at times as strange. And many of the promises which God gives, they will not be fulfilled in this life, but they will be fulfilled. Verse 14 through 16, for those who say such things, notice the emphasis in the life of faith is believing in your heart and speaking of it with your mouth. Those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. You're, we are an alien. We're we're strangers. We're, we're not home. Part of our problems, we're too much at home here. That was Lot's wife's problem. Profound words. We should turn to him regularly. Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. Everything that she loved, everything that she lived for was in this present world. Not just all the world, but specifically in Nineveh. It's about to go up in flames. 
The world grips us. The world grabs us. People's opinions grab us. And Hebrews is talking about all these people who lived in faith, believing God, acting upon the word of God. They plainly declare that they're seeking a homeland. A city whose foundation is in God. Here's another reason for this, because in verse 15, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to call him his God. He has prepared a city for them. I'm not home yet. I'm in a foreign land, and I'm to be an ambassador while here. Have you heard the expression? I'm sure you have. Well, he's so heavenly minded, he's of no earthly good. There are people who have their head in the, in the sand or in the clouds and, and uh, who knows where, but there's no one who has ever been so heavenly minded that they were of no earthly good. The problem is we are so earthly minded. We are no good in God's economy. The more heavenly minded we are, the more earthly good we will be here. Because we're neither afraid to we're not afraid to live. We're free to live, we're free to die. Uh, to be with Christ is far better. So living by faith. All of these in verse 17 through 22, they were tested and they did many things by faith. And living by faith means living and making decisions in the present based on the unfolding promises that God has for the future. And so by, J- by faith, Ab- uh, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped. And by faith, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Moses, verse 23, he was hid when he was a little child. The parents knew that this was against the king's commandment. All the, commandment, all the children are to be killed. Living by faith means that God's will, God's purposes, get first place, even if it's costly. We see this in the book of Acts. In verse 24 through 27. By faith, Moses, when he was of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. We face this decision over and over again. Life sets before us many choices, especially in America. We have so many choices. And if you're not careful, you'll not be tuned in to the voice of God. It says, by faith, in verse 7, he, Moses, forsook Egypt, fearing the wrath, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. That's the life of faith. Your master passion is not your circumstances. Your master passion is not how you feel this morning. Your master passion is not a whole list of things that you can say that you're having to look at this week. Your master passion is God himself and the fact that you're headed home. And so you live your life seeing God. 
because every time you read his word, you're listening to his voice, you're reading his word, you're having fellowship with him. So living by faith means that you're, you're consistent, persevering in spite of hardships. You don't waver. You're identified with God's people regardless. Uh, constantly seeing him who is invisible. What an incredible reality and blessing to the child of God. You put all your circumstances and all your situations here and you begin to hide the word of God in your heart. You begin to fellowship with the Lord. You begin to read his word. You may need to read it out loud or, or you listen to messages that are grounded in his word. And the more you hide his word in your heart, the more all this other stuff is crowded out or you see it in the right perspective. Verse 28 through 31 so many things are set forth here by different people who live by faith, meaning that doing and following God is what you do, even if it's dangerous. Doesn't mean you throw yourself out in the front of the truck. Oh, God will stop that, that 18 wheeler. I'll just walk out across the road. No. And there may be some place that you believe the Lord would have you to go to witness to someone but well, people are mean up there you could get killed well, you could get healed, killed anywhere we're safe in the will of God until he calls us home the best place to be is to be in the will of God to do what God says to be faithful to him as a, as a nation, churches all over the nation, well, the government commands you must be closed. Well, there's a lot of if and wonderment and try, we were trying to discern. I think uh, we may have had a month in which we had uh, services here, but the people didn't come. But before we had governmental authority, we believed on God's authority we needed to meet. And so we started back meeting. And yes, people had different opinions about all that. But the key thing was to live by faith, believing in God's word, serving the Lord, uh, even though the world looks upon it as foolish. Now, last Sunday, we spent some time in verse 32 through 39. It's hard to read. It's hard to read because, wow, there's some people in the great cloud of witnesses, literally millions of them, in fact, who their journey of faith has been blood, sweat, and tears of every description. So living by faith means serving God regardless of the temporal outcome. It's recognizing that God doesn't promise an easy road. And sometimes we are in a hard place because of our own sin. And God will be merciful to us as we humble ourselves and deal with that. But you, I, I've given my life to Christ now and I'm serving the Lord and, and it's still hard and people treat me this way and that way. 
uh, in a fallen world, no matter who you are. And some of the people that you think, well, so-and-so, they don't have any problems at all. You have no idea. Some of the people who always have a smile may may even presently have troubles and trials that you know nothing of. So don't judge yourself by another person in that way. But look at your own situation. And you, you might say, ah, some of those things in those verses that those people in the latter, chap, latter part of chapter 11 face, that uh, uh, it's not been that bad for me. It's been bad. Or it is bad. What do you need to do? Don't judge by what presently is. Judge by what's going to be for all eternity. No matter how bad your suffering or difficulty is in this life, it's temporary. It may seem like forever right now, but it ain't. Forever is coming. And this is why the book of Revelation is so precious. Because people... As believers who've gone through the worst in this life, now in heaven, there's no indication anywhere in the book of Revelation where the doors are open and we can see on the inside. There's no indication that they even, they don't even bring up the memory. Well, we had it hard down there, didn't we? No. They're so overwhelmed with the presence of Jesus. That's all that matters. And so you read in Revelation chapter 7, 9 through the end of the chapter about a great multitude who have white robes and they're singing and saying, salvation to our Lord who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. When they fall before him in worship, the angel, angelic beings and, and others are worshiping the Lord, saying, Amen, blessing, glory, and honor, and wisdom, thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be unto God forever and ever. Amen. So be it. Oh, what about these? Oh, these, these people got white robes. Oh, they came out of great tribulation. Some say out of the great tribulation. Doesn't matter. The world and Satan hates those who believe in God in whatever era you happen to live in. The world and Satan have banded together to destroy or to attempt to destroy, to to martyr millions of Christians. Doing it today. There are countries today, right now, who are seeing multitudes of their believers, their fellow believers being slain. But what about eternity? Oh, they're white in the blood of Christ. Therefore, are they before the throne of God and serve him night and day in his temple? And he that sitteth on the throne shall be among them, and they shall hunger no more, neither shall the son Neither, neither shall they thirst anymore for the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them to living fountains of water and God shall wipe away all the tears of their eyes 
in dealing with your suffering and trials, please don't forget the last chapter. It's eternally long. There's no one in heaven with regrets. So, living by faith means serving the Lord regardless of the temporal outcome. Things can be hard now. It's in this context of these verses that we've scanned over that we come to chapter 12 in Hebrews, and he says, therefore. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about, we're surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses. There, There are thousands of voices today saying, you're a fool. This is no good. You're doing the wrong thing, wrong thing. God has given a great cloud of witnesses spanning all of human history. They're standing up and being counted and saying, and the Holy Spirit has seen to it that we have a record that, that they didn't live that life so they could be put in Hebrews chapter 11. They lived that life and God put them there for us. And so, what is it that hinders us today? We have a thousand different weights. We, we look and we find, here's what God's will is for me. Here's what God wants me to do. I can't do that. Well, these weights. Some people in the business world will say, and other places as well, If you continue to do what you've always done, you'll continue to get what you've always got. And there's a truth in that. And so I want God to meet me. I I want to be blessed of God. I I want to do the will of God. But I'm not going to change this. I'm not going to change this. I'm not going to change this. I'm going to continue to do what I've always done. Because what I really want is I want God to bless what I'm doing. I want all the blessings of my temporal life while simultaneously experiencing all the blessings of my spiritual life. You may have to get a calendar out and and look at what you're doing and and what your priorities are and how you spend your time. and, and, And I'm no different. I have to do the same thing, and I don't always do it. And every time I get in trouble, I've got wrong priorities. They don't have to be bad things. But there are weights. There are many weights. And so lay them aside. Like a runner. They easily beset us. He gives us the picture we understand. You, you've never seen a runner wearing boots and an overcoat or whatever. He strips himself down to the bare necessities because he wants to win the race. And the sin which does so easily beset us. Strip it. Lay it aside. 
and let us run with patience, with endurance. It's a long race, not a hundred yard dash, the race that is set before us. Run the race with your eyes on him, beholding Jesus. Looking unto him, surrounded by the great cloud of witnesses, Looking unto Jesus because he's the author and the finisher, the author, the completer of your faith. This is not something you have to conjure up. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We're talking about a supernatural life. And notice when Jesus ran his race here on earth, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Well, I'm having to endure my cross. She, he, them, they're not your crosses. There may be people in your world, there may be family members, there may be neighbors, there may be people you work with, but they are not your crosses. Taking up the cross with Jesus is something that relates to something that would be true for Jesus. Jesus had some pretty bad people in his world. They were not his crosses. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily and walk with him. Take up your dying to yourself. Take up to your dying to your will and your way. Take up, take, uh, take away, turn aside from all of your understandings. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Take up your cross. Denying yourself, denying your flesh, and follow Jesus. Jesus put down his will. The man Christ Jesus, tempted in all points as we, yet without sin, he did only what his father told him to do. He said only what his father told him to say. So I need to, this week as I'm murmuring to myself, having a pity party with myself, me, myself, and I having a pity party, monopolizing the conversation, we know where that's going. They always vote. That I'm totally justified. You may not know this, but I can throw a pity party as good as any of you. I'm an old hand at it. Well, I didn't know that. Well, that's probably a good thing. You don't need to know about all my pity parties. But we need to be honest about our pity parties. And know that Jesus had far more reasons, but he didn't, he didn't go to one. He never had one. Because he only wanted to do what his father told him to do. He only wanted to say what his father told him to say. And that's what he did. And that's the life of faith. That's what it means to walk by faith. His faith is totally in his father. And now, and in fact, he said, without my father, I can do nothing. Now he says to you and I, without me, you can do nothing. This is not new to any of us. We just haven't been on that road Consistently like we should. And that's why we have this word. 
That's why we have this particular meeting. God wanted you and I to look at the way of the life of faith. It's all about looking unto Jesus. All about being focused on the one who is the author and finisher of our faith. All about realizing that this is not a way of misery. This is a way of joy. Again, I'll go back to Dr. Ed Wheat. He becomes a Christian. He begins to devour the word of God. That's what he's to do and to be as a husband. His family doesn't get it. They are not impressed. He continues to get rejection. But he continues to do what God has called him to do in obedience to the Lord because the Lord is worthy. And he said as he kept doing this, his obedience took on the bright colors of joy. His circumstances hadn't changed. They hadn't changed. God was molding him into the likeness of his son, walking in the steps of Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, despising the shame, is now set down at the right hand of God. The Christian life is not easy. It's just miraculous. It's glorious. It's not hard. Impossible, yes, apart from grace. But Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I'm meek and lowly of heart and my burden is light. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Stop lying. Stop slandering God. Oh, this is God's way is so hard. I'm just quoting me. That's, that's one of my statements. <laughs> it's a lie. It's a slander of God. There's all kinds of opposition, but the yoke of Jesus, Jesus, unless he's a liar, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. And Jesus is only talking about the path that he walked when he was here. He never lost his joy. He had far more stuff on his plate than you and I will ever have. But he never lost his joy. Because he was beholding his father. And so let us, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, look unto Jesus. Some of you need to look unto Jesus for the very first time in your life. You're without a shepherd. You're being mastered, but not by Jesus. You're being yoked, but not by Jesus. And I can tell you, you may already know it. The way of the transgressor is hard. That's what the Bible says, and it's true. The way of peace, the way of joy, is to be yoked to Jesus. Our Father, we thank you that you've called us to a life of faith, which is a life of grace. For by Grace are you saved through faith and not, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. We thank you for the great cloud of witnesses. 
We thank you that your sheep hear your voice. You know your sheep. Your sheep follow you. Quicken us by the Spirit of God to walk in the steps of Jesus, beholding Jesus, beholding the Lamb of God, resting in him, rejoicing in him, saying yes to him, living by every word that proceeds out of his mouth. Father, quicken us to resist the lies that say the Christian life is hard and God is unreasonable and help us to embrace the truth. Jesus, the light, the way, the, the life, and the truth. Work in each of our hearts. Help us to meditate greatly on the great cloud of witnesses. Others have gone before us and they've not only survived, but for all eternity they're worshiping in heaven serving the Lord with no regrets. Yes, it can be difficult here. But we want to look at the whole picture. And thank you for the privilege that is ours to serve you, to obey you, to follow you, to love you because you have first loved us. Work in each and every heart by the Spirit of God, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.